Breakfast puppies? This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Glitter Boys. You know, I think my favorite part of uh, Atlantis is the the hawk duck. <laughs> like if if you spell it the hawk duck. <laughs> because when I think of Atlantis, I think of a human bipedal duck man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we are uh, back. Thank you all for tuning in. And we're talking about Rift's Atlantis. World book number two. Yeah, world book number two. Now, when this came out, this this was a, a very big deal. The Atlanteans had been teased at, had been hinted at throughout a number of different books. So what happened is, is right off the eastern tip of what in present day is known as the Bermuda Triangle in Rift's Earth was a, a large, large continent called Atlantis. Atlantis had perfected the art of living together and all was peace and all was harmony and there was and there was magic that did everything and there was there was high tech and then disaster struck because this is palladium and disaster always strikes and they disappeared uh, through the rift and when the rifts reemerged they came back and they brought all kinds of fun things with them like the duckmen and the splugorth Rift's Atlantis World Book Number Two is, I think, a good follow-up to the previous World Book. We talked at length about the Vampire Kingdoms and how awesome it was. Atlantis does not break that momentum. This comes out in 1992. We've got one solid World Book and a Source Book out already. The Rift setting is kicking ass and taking names. This book is definitely no exception because this book contains. Two things, very specifically, that are so integral to Rift's fandom. The Splugorth and tattoo magic. Yes. Everyone loves tattoo magic. Oh, and and Atlanteans. I mean, people like Atlanteans too. Whatever. Everyone loves tattoo magic, though. (laughs) It is so cool. It, It is... It, it it needs to be more prevalent, in my opinion. Like there needs to be much more tattoo magic all throughout the setting because it is so cool. It's just it is so unique. Oh God, I gotta go change my pants. It's so awesome. <laughs> well, that said, though, I mean, they could have come up with a better name for the OCCs that uh, practiced it. Oh, you mean the tattoo man? <laughs> yeah, the T man, Maxi man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of the naming choices were a little subpar. Yeah. But the Splugorth, man. This is a very in-depth world book. It it gives you what you would expect from a world book. It gives you lots of background. It gives you lots of maps. It gives you lots of makeup. It gives you lots of uh, politics and who rules what and where and what are the influences. But it, it covers a lot of ground. Like for example, there is the uh, the the the, the Splugorth, which essentially moved into Atlantis, and you know the the rest of the Atlanteans are are kicked out, wandering the planet, or and the Megaverse, in fact. 
oh yeah, the Splugorth, we're going to be talking about them frequently throughout our look at the entire Palladium catalog, especially once we get into Phase World. So the Splugorth are megaversal slave traders. They are... They're conquerors. They're they're really easy to be the bad guy. Here in Atlantis, it's kind of a microcosm of Rifts itself. You have a lot of different races and a lot of different areas. You have gargoyles, you have dragons, which the Splugorth respect. You have uh, stone masters, you have a ton of slave races, you have the Catani, you have the the hawk people I spoke of. <laughs> you, you have the, the Zembach, you have the, the T-Man, the Sunage, which is, I think, a homage to Remo Williams, the master of Sunaju. Well, they are a very special thing connected to the Atlanteans. You know what? The, I don't think this is what this is 1992 i think it's safe to spoil some things here (laughs) this is world book two out of we're in the 30s now the sunaj assassins are a clan of true atlanteans who are dedicated to killing all other true atlanteans it's a fascinating background that they have they are one of the lost clans that was sort of exiled well not not lost. They 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 have Atlanteans have a, a conclave every now and then, where all throughout the megaverse, the call goes out, the bat signal goes up, the giant A in the sky against the clouds, <laughs> and the Atlanteans come. Now there there was one house that does, didn't show up, and I, I forget their their actual given house name, but they didn't show up because they were busy killing everyone else. What else do you have? Slave races, so many slave races and their populations. I want to step back a little bit and analyze what we've seen so far. We've got, by this point, we've got Rifts, the game. Rifts, the role-playing game. We've got the Butts edition out in the market for two years now. We've got the Rifts source book. Again, which (laughs) we need to do an episode talking about the source book because the source book's great. The source book introduces a villain. The source book talks about some places. It introduces some new monsters. It's basically just more things... To, to make your Rifts games pretty cool. But again, it mostly focuses on the North America area, which Rifts did in the core book. All right, cool. World Book One comes out. We've got vampires. We've got a villain, new villain to fight. We've got places to go. We've got weapons to get, people to meet, maps to explore. Atlantis comes out. We've got a new villain to fight, places <laughs> to go, cool new weapons, three, three different new forms of magic. New character classes, new species, and we've just we keep seeing this format here: bringing in new villains, establishing new places to go, and talking about the people that you meet and the things that you might find there. I love this flow because bringing in more villains, especially these epic villains, yeah. we're not just talking about you know Mister Horrible out there who's in a wizard's tower doing some bad stuff. We've got ah. fucking vampire intelligences, which are interdimensional evils, which you will never kill, and we've got Splugorth, which are guess what, interdimensional evils. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is Palladium. Again, Palladium's metal as fuck. They don't mess around with the small fry. I was going to say, Palladium has always been a big picture thing. And, you know, I, I've said it before. You don't need the long rant. But if you ever want big ideas and not just, hmm, the little people are being oppressed, turn to Palladium <laughs> because there's a lot of sickness. You know, there should be like the last 
the last dimension book would be all the baddies like in, in a pit with over baddie who has commanded them there. Kind of a, a battle royale thing. Kind of like that episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force where the Moon Knights got all of the other villains to go to the moon. <laughs> yeah, I was I was kind of thinking uh, the, the one Venture Brothers where all the henchmen were fighting to the death. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. And what's yeah. his number, number? What was number 24? Got really super buff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't think you can handle me. You really can't. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot going on here. Once again, this could be the setting for an entire campaign. I think one of the problems inherent with Palladium is so many choices. Where do you set? How do you impose limits? How do you keep people located? So an island in the middle of the Seas of Terror is a pretty good place to start that. If you, wanna, if you don't want to be searching through 2,000 different books to try and figure out what's local to the area they've suddenly gotten to now. <laughs> well, ooh, 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 ooh. see, I've just got an idea. Brand new campaign idea. Make characters for, you know, Palladium characters, but make modern characters. Use Heroes Unlimited or something like that. Okay. They're taking mm-hmm. a plane flight. They're taking a plane flight to the Azores for whatever. They're going on a vacation or maybe they're going to go fight like their arch nemesis out in the Azores and going to go stop them. So you lead the players to think that this game is going to be all about going out, you know, fighting some some nemesis. We built this up. Cool. On the way to the Azores, they fly through the Bermuda Triangle. They get sucked through a rift, dropped into Rift's Earth, present day, enslaved by the Splugorth, or Maybe they become freedom fighters and they're out there trying to rescue the slaves. And there's a dozen more little islands out there that they have yeah. maps of in this book <laughs> and <laughs> details on what's out there and places to go hide. So now we've got an underground railroad campaign with superheroes from the 1990s. Fucking yeah, love it. I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd play that. <laughs> I want to go back over the size of, of Atlantis real fast. Atlantis is is from the southern tip of Florida all the way to where the ice begins in in Canada uh to 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 where the land goes away and just becomes frozen sea it is a massive continent so don't don't think about it as an island when we're talking about space here we're talking about state size space each of these enclaves is a giant swath of land and there's so much threat and danger and potential for campaigns just in this one book alone. Yeah. Like there, there's just an area where they hunt people who get washed on shore and that that's fun for them. That's fun for the Splugarth. There's the area where they hunt people through the jungles. That's fun. That's fun for them. There's an area that is for the gargoyles. There's an area that is for the dragons. There is an area that is for everyone and everything it's it's a very interesting regimented place it kind of reminds me of some of the end game cities in world of warcraft actually <laughs> there is some amazing art in this book oh yeah some well, of let's start the with new, that cover well the what is that keith parkinson i think is yeah yep yep, yep more keith parkinson work that is you've got that guy in the back the 
fucking <laughs> enforcer. You know, you've got various people standing around. It looks like this, you know, aristocratic happy society where all of these uppity people are just having some conversation. These three ladies out there, they're probably talking about pumpkin spice lattes. Meanwhile, you've got <laughs> this slaving happening right here. And it's just, it tells you about the society right there. Well, a tiny dragon watches. It's a shame we don't see any Splugorth here, but they're coming soon. Just a few pages in. He's on the cover. That's not a, no, that's not a Splugorth. That, that's yeah, one of is. the power lords. The Splugorth, there's a picture of Lord Splincrith. That's a Splugorth. The Splugorth are the big tentacle eye monsters. So the slaver isn't a Splugorth. Oh, that's not even a slaver. So there's a slaver on the cover of Rift's Butts edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, but it's not. So there's actual talk in the book about how most people think of those as the Splugorth, but they're not. So what's on the cover of the book, I believe, is a Power Lord, uh, which is another one of their slave oh, races. Right. Yeah, the yeah. Splugorth themselves, if you want to see one, turn to page 40. And there yeah. you see Lord Spillincrith. He's nasty. He's basically a big eye with tentacles and maws. And, you know, okay. as, and as awesome and powerful as Splinkrith is in this book, he is young for his species and limited in his sway of power. He is focused mainly on trade and enslavement. There are Splugorth and other books that could wipe the floor with him with a tentacle. MDC, 3D4 times 10,000. <laughs> yeah. Jesus fuck. PPE. 4d6 times 1,000. Yeah, yeah. So Fuck if you just me. look at Splinkrith's stats, he's on the low end of the rolling scale. Interestingly, the Splugorth... Oh, that's right, okay. So it's Splugorth, then the High Lords, and then the next power level is the Power Lord, the Overlord, and the Conservator. Then the Slaver is below them. And then they have their, their races below them. So the races that I want to talk about here are the ones that I find the most fascinating. If you start on page 54, you've got the Metstra. Their art is unlike anything that has been done in Palladium to this point. These are not what you think of as people. Yeah, they're they're bugs. There's some sort of bug. Chitness mm -hmm. sci-fi bug with, with maws and eyes. God, the one on page fifty-six. Oh, yeah, it's, just, it's real cool. Yeah. And of course, you know, you know, I've then got the tentacle monster in the next few pages. But then it, yeah. it just I love them. Yeah, the writing ravening beast. Mm. I don't know where else to go with this. There's just so much cool here. <laughs> well, we can talk about some things like for some reason, that is never explained in this. The Splugorth have a respect for dragons, but it's not its not absolute. Um, you have to be an adult dragon for that. They're actually, they can actually be quite cruel to young dragons. Yeah, it was, that it was fascinating. I don't There's know if that's ever been explained. There. Yeah. There's some sort of Splugorthian dragon war that was fought, apparently, and they are honorable foes is, is kind of the feeling I got. Yeah, go with that. Makes sense to me. Yeah, Let's talk about bio-wizardry. One yes. of the three new forms of magic. We've already mentioned tattoo magic. Bio-wizardry is, uh, you know, the melding of flesh with, you know, we just did splicers. We've done wormwood. Now we're coming back to where it, where it started with the bio-wizardry here. World book number two. And this is some fucked up shit. 
again, we're we're looking at some Cronenberg level of of crazy shit happening here, which apparently Palladium just loves this stuff. And I'm okay with that because I like body horror. You know, there's too few major role-playing games, and I count Palladium as as one role-playing game, that have delved into the grossness of some of the human psyche and imagination as, as deeply as this. Like you have Call of Cthulhu, you have you have some things that, that deal with like a, a niche aspect, but no one has made it as mainstream as Palladium has. No, this is just what these people do. Yeah, with Cthulhu games, it's always dealing with the alien uncertainty of the universe and how it fucks with your mind. But here yeah. it's, dude, you can have tentacles coming out of your butt and they're awesome. But they also <laughs> enslave you, maybe. And it, it's, it's so like, <laughs> and they can't touch metal. <laughs> yeah, Biowizardry is, you know, it has its applications for power but for the large <laughs> on the whole it seems to be focused on enslaving people like using yeah. bio wizardry to create a, a warrior slaves that serve you we can just segue straight into tattoo magic okay yeah let's I know do you that. want to yeah 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 so tattoo magic is really cool basic concept is you get some magic tattoos you tap them and shit happens maybe you summon a weapon maybe you summon a mount maybe you shoot fireballs out of your eyeballs it's kind of cool stuff that you do yeah um if you have a dagger you touch the dagger if you have a t- if you want a tiger you touch the tiger it's it's cool and it was really cool in the 90s because tattoos just started becoming something that sailors and rock stars weren't the only ones having unfortunately the artists of this book didn't get that memo and there's an ongoing discussion right now as we're recording this happening in our discord channel talking about the tattoos and so let's 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 turn to page 87 here and we've got badass motherfucking kevin long i'm gonna cut you yeah (laughs) and he's just covered with sailor tattoos or flash it looks like no that's flash he walked into some crappy yeah (laughs) near the airport tattoo parlor you know yeah i want to get a fierce tiger yeah and then they just gave him the little (laughs) (laughs) shoulder i'm sorry kevin kevin log kevin i love your art this guy is normally pretty awesome but he looks lame as fuck with these tattoos Kevin, Kevin's strength has always been mechanical. He can do the occasional really cool, like face or pose or something like that. But, but his strength has always been doing bots, doing robots. And they drew on him so heavily that he's probably, Oh yeah. You want another one? All right. Uh, and he's got a tiger. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Like Kevin, we need this guy to have some tattoos and he's like, but I, we I don't do tattoo by, art. Uh, it's, it's going to print tomorrow. And <laughs> Kevin Long probably walked into one of those airport tattoo shops and was mm-hmm. like, can I, can I borrow your, your book? Yeah. <laughs> tattoo magic is cool. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a psionic. Am I right? It's psionic. Uh, no, no, it uses PPE. Sorry. It uses PPE. Excuse me. Yeah. And it's limited. Only humans, Atlanteans, ogres which are proto-humans yeah and to a limited extent elves can get it but there's 
heavy restrictions on elves getting it. Like elves can get it, but it, it doesn't work as well. And it kind of painful. Like as an elf, if you're considering getting tattoo magic, you might want to consider another walk of life. That's going to be more fruitful to you. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. You're right. There's too, there's too much to cover. I'm not sure where to start. <laughs> like I should have done a, an actual book report on yeah. this. Yeah. But, you know, who has time for that? We're just kind of freeform diving in, talking about cool shit. (laughs) And I'm okay with that. But yeah, the character classes, they talk about character classes that can get the tattoos. Tattooed Man, you know, boring ass name right there. The T-Monster Man, another really not good Maxi Man. (sighs) Come on, you could come up with better names than that. However... The one class that everyone always wants to play. They come to you and they say, oh, you're running rifts. I want to play a true Atlantean undead slayer. You're like, fuck. These guys are pretty powerful and they get a shitload yeah. of tattoos and they're, they're, they, they have natural MDC because of the class. And, you know, they're, they're great for fighting vampires. Um, in some ways, they're kind of broken, but they're always fun. I got mixed feelings on them. I, I guess because I've been running rifts off and on for so long, and when rifts Atlantis hit the tables, I was like twelve, and I, yeah. somebody somebody was like, "I want to play one of these." It's like, "All right, that's cool," and he just fucking ruined the game. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always been wary. Uh, as long as we're talking about it, though, uh, you should it should be noted that the number of tattoos matter. You get bonuses for the ones if you have more than six. Uh, you're, you get more MDC, you get more PPE. There, there's a lot of things that, that happen. You have to get them. You have to wait before you change your tattoos. You can change them. There's a difference in the types of tattoos. You can have simples or majors. Mm-hmm. And of course, you would expect that those levels of tattoos have correspondingly escalating levels of power. Yeah. That you're limited in where and where you can get them and from whom. Yeah. Like generally you can only get them on Atlantis or if you just happen to meet some random Chengku dragon out in the wild who's flying around giving away free tattoos. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you're also going to be rolling on the insanity table every so often <laughs> because. Yeah. Yeah. Just because really. Let's see. I mean, the, after that, there's a, a new OCC. It's the uh, Stone Magic and Stone Masters. And that would be magic number three. Yep. Uh, the talent to mend, shape, sculpt, transport, and commune with rock, stone, and gems. Think the Underdark folk for for this one, but without all the fucking angst. Yeah, if a dwarf could just learn this, he wouldn't need that Wilkes laser gun. That's, that's very true. Yeah. Then you get, oh, 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 oh. However, let's not overlook the the crowning point of stone magic, which we've already been introduced to in Vampire Kingdoms. But now we are given a deeper insight into pyramid magic. Yeah. It's some pretty awesome stuff. Something else that Palladium does is it doesn't hold back you know, frontline books just giving you these insane levels of power that are probably going to be beyond the scope of anything that player characters can do in their early or even mid levels. But yeah. they just show you that, you know, the rest of the world isn't balanced against your characters. And there's bio wizardry, which is, yeah, which is pretty gross. 
It is so gross. It came with a warning. Yep. <laughs> yep. I don't know if they kept that warning in wormwood or splicers, but uh, no, you know, that picture on page 118, the, the fucking tentacle thing coming out of the dude's yeah. chest. And he's just standing there like, sup? Hey, hey, hey. you want to see my parasite? Yeah. Hey, what time is it? Uh, <laughs> the the sign uh, the art in here is so freaking cool one thing i also find just horrible but also awesome is that so much of this weaponry these new these new powerful items these bio wizardry artifacts are powered by enslaved creatures just larvae sized aliens like the size of that little chest guy from um mid in black they yeah. are powering these these things as embryonic crystals that are just having their life force sucked out and used to power weapons. It's brutal. The Splugorth suck. Yeah, they're not nice people. No. Mm-mm. Now, the Splugorth have something else called rune magic. Well, rune magic has been in Palladium for a long time. Now, this is all such an Elric ripoff. Like this is this is straight uh, Elric of of Melanie Bone. Oh yeah, I don't know if you've spent much time reading the Palladium fantasy stuff, but rune magic was basically a thing that the elves and the dwarves fought over millennia ago, and then um, all that's left is all of these captured demons and spiritual essences that are bound in these weapons, and nobody really knows how to make them anymore. Although I guess the Atlanteans do now, but. Who knows? But rune magic, they are considered to be the most powerful artifacts in the universe. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's also taken from uh, the Michael Moorcock rune swords. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and they all suck. Like, oh, yeah. There's, there's not one of them that's nice. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah. You don't want to. Like, no, wait. Isn't there? No, wait. There, there was one. Yeah. Um, the Sword of Life. Whenever Palladium has released a collection of rune weapons, if there's five or more of them, they might be nice enough, kind, to throw in a benign rune weapon. And I mean, the pictures are just 80s style, awesome, spiky, big, heavy, pokey swords. And yeah, they did toss in the sort of life at at the end. And it says, no, sort of life, not depicted yeah the rest of them though are terrible horrible things they can give you great power and usually at a terrible cost there are some books where in one of the fantasy adventures in northern wilderness campaign there's a rune weapon that as soon as you touch it you just touch it you just grab this rune weapon that is psionically you know talking to you saying come pick me up i have great power to give you you will you will destroy our enemies we can be great together as soon as you touch it your entire mind is destroyed irretrievably you're physically transformed into necron the destroyer and then you march forth and murder the world don't do it as long as it doesn't lie though i mean (laughs) (laughs) it's it's insane (laughs) the rest of the book is racial descriptions uh weapons and armor and basically, who's doing what where? There's all kinds of interesting stuff. The uh, Wormwood mentions the Katani quite a bit, uh, but specifically, uh, Katani weapons are are actually quite popular in Wormwood, if I remember correctly. Oh. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of trade in weapons and armor from the uh, from the Katani. 
And this gives you all of that, which wasn't in Wormwood so much. And some of these techno centaur snake things are pretty fucking cool. And then right after the really cool ones, there's some stuff that looks like the original mechanoids are just kind of repurposed real fast. Well, I don't know how much I've seen the art of Newton Ewell after this book, but Newton Ewell's art with that organic flow mm-hmm. to it really makes this book, in my opinion. And I think the crown jewel of art in this book is on page 150 and 151. It's a double page spread of some yeah. kind of just mechano hydra. Techno hydra. Yeah. yeah. The dreadnought, the dragon dreadnought, they call it. Just fucking awesome. Yeah. Then there's their version of the the Veritech, the Katani ATV hoverjet. Yeah. It's got a big dongle. <laughs> All the Katani <laughs> stuff is pretty fucking cool, though. Yeah. It, it looks like repurposed Robotech stuff. And a lot of my players would really love the uni motorcycle. That thing is fucking cool. It's cool. Agreed. On, uh, on page 150, 158. Yeah. One of the last pages, actually. Man, Abel would have gone just ape shit on that thing. <laughs> There's so much cool stuff in this book. Technology, magic, classes. It's, again, it's a, it's a fantastic entry into the growing world book series. Yeah. And it's so it's so well realized. Every section is is so just it's described in such depth that you you could run around all of this containing this one book and just playing it. It it would be completely easy. I like how it ties into some of the other world books like uh The Wormwood and and just riffs in general because the Splugorth were the face of it for so long and the splugorth have access to the rifts the splugorth are connected to phase world one of the beautiful things about rifts as a role-playing setting and game are the rifts those are just amazing story tools to connect yeah. worlds and when you're putting together a campaign if you pull off the training wheels and you know throw down the emergency brake and are like well let's go to town on this you can truly unleash your imagination in ways that yeah. uh can't really do with much else except for maybe the written as a joke fan game dungeons the dragons Dungeons the Dragoning 40,000 second edition, which was collectively designed by 4chan. <laughs> I I want to see that. I had no yeah. idea what that it, was. It is essentially Rifts, in my opinion. It's Rifts, <laughs> but in another game, you know? <laughs> so on the scale of needing this in your in your collection, where would you fall? It's world book number two. I think it's crucial if you're going to run a game set in Rift's Earth. Yeah. If if you are planning to set a continental North America game, you're going to want to get this. Yeah. This is just to the east of Cuba. Yeah. They heavily raid the East Coast and they can make great recurring villains for your game. The Spookworth, that is. The setting itself is a great place to visit. I mean, we haven't even talked about the market. The dimensional market on Spin is 
It's amazing. It is. It is one of those classic. You can get anything you want. Any of whatever your heart desires, you can get here. Yeah. It's fucking true. Interdimensional market on yeah. Rift's Earth. So if you want your players to have a chance of getting some rare random item, like say a rune weapon, that's where you can possibly get it to them. You just got to make sure that uh, they have an adventure in and of itself getting there in the first place. And not getting picked up as valuable slaves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool as hell. I would give it, I would say you probably, this would be on my third or fourth tier of things I'd want. Like I'd want, I'd want the, the core book and I would want Vampire Kingdoms first, I think. Vampire Kingdoms is a solid book. Yeah. And then, then I'd probably pick up this. The conversion book is is pretty easy in my mind. It's it's got some fun stuff, but you you don't you don't honestly need it. A lot of the later stuff has the conversions in it, or at least clues in which direction to go. Yeah, I would say this this is this is some of the, one of the top tiers of the things you're going to want. So yeah, get it. You can get it at uh, PlatinumBooks.com. Still in print. Still sells. Still in print. Still sells. I got an autographed copy here from PalladiumBooks.com. It's a Palladium Bookstore. Yeah. It's it's a good deal. And it's still yeah. fairly inexpensive. Uh, it's got that beautiful Keith Parkinson cover. You're going to get a lot of use out of this book. Yeah. Final thoughts? Final thoughts. Great book. It's got cool things. It's got three new forms of magic it's got terrible flash tattoos it's got the splugorth in it which you've been hearing yeah. about now for multiple books finally there in their full glory with a fantastic kevin long piece depicting lord splinkrith yeah great place to visit Wouldn't want to not a there. great place to live <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it, it would be the nexus once you've come to terms like let's say you start off in the the typical north america starting point you're going to need atlantis because it is it is definitely a power it's right off the coast the effects of one will be felt by the other and if you're building a complete world for your players to run around in this is something you have to take in mind yeah get it it's a great book yeah yeah buy the damn thing all right peace we'll see you next time You've been listening to The Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. Glitter Boys, Rifts, the Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com, and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by Furby Guy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org. All sound effects used are self-made or acquired via Creative Commons Zero License. If you like what you have heard, find us on Twitter and Facebook as The Glitter Boys. That's B-O-I-S. And check us out online at breakfastpuppies.com slash glitterboys. And also join us on the Breakfast Puppies Network Discord at breakfastpuppies.com slash discord. And if you want to help us out, please spread the word and help us build a community. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.